Today we start a 40-day journey together. It's a biblical understanding. It's called a Moedim, an appointed time. And today we start a journey together of 40 days to prosper. So touch two or three people beside you. Say, get ready to prosper in Jesus' name. Tell them, get ready to prosper in Jesus' name. May I just go ahead and say this? Prosperity is God's idea. It's the, if all throughout the Bible, so prosperity is not a man. People say, well, you believe in that prosperity gospel. There is no other gospel. The gospel prospers you. The gospel gives you peace. The gospel gives you joy. The gospel gives you faith and happiness and, and understanding. The gospel is the gospel of prosperity. The true gospel of Christ, he who was rich became poor, so those of us who were poor might become rich. That's the whole gospel message, that Jesus left heaven and all its benefits and came to earth to live as us so that those of us that were poor in spirit, that were poor financially, that were poor in relationally, that we might become wealthy, not just with money, but in life, shalom, peace, well-being. It's all part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so God, the, the prosperity, the understanding of prospering is not just a money thing or a wealth thing. It's actually a spiritual thing that I think it's in First John that says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so that's Paul writing to the church, and he said, Beloved, I, I wish above all things that you prosper. Me as your pastor I, and leader, I pray I, above everything, I want you to prosper. I want your marriage to prosper. I want your business to prosper. I want your health to prosper. I want your spiritual life to prosper. I want your relational life to prosper. I want your gift and calling to come alive and begin to walk in it like you've never walked in it before. That's our desire is to prosper. And so it's Moed, God gives us these Moedim. That's a term you may not be aware of. Moedim is a, a Hebrew word. It means an appointed time. It's like a date on the calendar. It comes annually or it comes weekly or monthly in God's biblical calendar. And some of you may not yet, still yet understand this. There is a biblical calendar. And this is a great understanding that you got to get a hold of. There's a biblical calendar that heaven operates on. This is what's important. There's, a, there's an earthly calendar, the Gregorian calendar, that the earth operates on. But there's a heavenly calendar. And that's the big difference. It's a biblical calendar. The earth operates on a sun calendar. The Bible operates on a, on a lunar calendar. And this is all throughout the scripture. So you got to understand this. So it's important to know what time it is. Right? It's important to understand what time it is. And so that's what a Moedim is about. It's an appointed time. It's a, it's a time given to us by God for something special to happen in a certain period of time that's called a Moedim. So touch somebody else now and say, you're at the right time at the right place. Tell them that today in Jesus' name. <clears throat> so you say, well, what time is it? What is this time? What is this Moedim? This is a season in God's biblical calendar that begins with the month of Elul, which is the month we just slipped into, a biblical month, that takes us into the biblical new year, which is Rosh Hashanah, which is coming. And there's a 40-day period between now and then uh, of what God calls simply this, the Moedim time, this 40-day period that the, that the biblical understanding is the king is in the field. The king is in the field. 
And so historically in the ancient biblical times, during this time of year, the king would leave his palace and would get out in the field with all the workers and the farmers and everybody had access to the king during this time of year. I got a thing about this year, I got excited. I said, the king is in the field, so he's in, so what's my field? What's my career? What's my business, my marriage? So whatever area, whatever field you have that may have been lying fallow, the king is about to step into your field. Come on, somebody. I said the king is about to step in your field. And when the king steps in your field, you get a harvest, I'm telling you in Jesus' name. So this is the month that it simply means teshuvah or to turn or to draw near to God. Now that's a good idea anytime. But I love this about God and his intentionality because we all have spiritual drift. Look, I talked to two or three families this, the, uh, a week before last. Same stories. And, every, and I can tell you this is almost 100% true. When they get in a crisis or situation, not all the time, but a majority of the time, what happened? Well, you know, we got busy. And then we had some circumstances come against us. And then we got discouraged. And then we quit giving. And then over time, we stopped attending worship. And then over time, we, we really quit fellowshipping with those that we used to fellowship with. And next thing you know, we got isolated. And all of a sudden, it's like our world just started falling in around us. Well, here's good news. It happens to everybody. It doesn't just happen to you. So don't think you're just whacked out because you've been in a season like that. We've all been in seasons like that. And here's the good news about the biblical calendar. It's not linear. It's circular. And so the good news is you may have got whacked out in this season, but the good news, God's bringing you around to a whole nother season that you need to get, you get to get in and get it right again. I love that about God. He doesn't leave us. He just keeps circling around us till we catch on and move on with him. And this is that time, this is that season for the next 40 days. It's a biblical season. It's marked by Moses on the mountain. During the month of Elul is when Moses went to the mountain and stayed for 40 days. Isn't that interesting? It's marked by Jesus in the wilderness who defeated Satan in a 40-day fast in the wilderness. So this 40-day period we stepped in today is very significant spiritually. It's about gaining revelation from God's perspective like Moses on the mountain, and it's also gaining power and authority over the enemy. And what the enemy tried to steal from you in the last season, you will defeat him in this season, and you will move forward into your purpose and your destiny. So now touch somebody else and say, you're about to get revelation that's going to give you victory. Tell them, you're about to get revelation that's going to give you victory. You say, why do you have us touch everybody all the time and say things to each other? Well, I'll go ahead and give you a spiritual reference because it says if any two touch and agree, my God, agree on something, it's going to happen. I'm not interested in just sharing you information. I want some transformation to get loosed in here. And the Bible says the power of life and death is in your mouth. And when you touch and agree and say, I'm about to move into a place of prosperity, something shifts in your atmosphere. Touch somebody else now by faith. Come on now. Even our touch is anointed this morning. My God. Draw near to God. 
God will draw near to you. Isn't that what he says? This is the time to draw near to God, to prosper. Let's go quickly. Second Chronicles 26, 5. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ready? As long as he sought God, or we'll, we'll read the whole thing. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. I'm going to be sharing prosperity principles these next few weeks, but this is the most important one. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. This is about Uzziah, who was a king and witty in inventions. And it says he was really wise. He invented a lot of war weapons and different inventions and wise and wealthy. But all of a sudden, he quit seeking the Lord and started trusting his own strength and his blessings became leprosy. And there's a truth in there. That as long as you're trusting God, seeking God, that is the pathway to prosperity. As soon as you start trusting yourself and leaning on your own wisdom or understanding, that's our downfall. The New Testament side of that is Matthew 6. And this is where I want to get with you really quick. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Here's the good news for us as believers in the kingdom of God. You don't have to seek things. If you seek God, things will seek you. The world seeks things because we think things will satisfy us, make us happy, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But we all know that's not true. God said, seek me first and I will add things. God has no problem with the things that we have. He just don't want the things to have us. And so God says, if you'll seek me first, all these things will be added unto you. So I got to thinking, what does that mean? What does that mean to seek the Lord? Because, you know, I can come with you and preach here on Sunday and say, okay, seek the Lord. So what does that mean? Does that mean you go lay on, lay on your carpet and, you know, pray? Or what does that mean to seek the Lord? And so I was saying, like, I kind of asked the Lord, Lord, what does it mean to seek you? And it's like the Holy Spirit's so cool. Like I said, when you're stupid, he makes you wise, right? He makes you, makes you look better than you should. And so I, I read Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God, all these things about unto you. I said, Lord, what does it mean to seek you? He said, well, go to the first of the chapter. And that's, he said, go reread the chapter. Go back to the first of the chapter. I went back to the first of the chapter. I was astounded. Right in the beginning, Matthew 6, Jesus said something very interesting. He starts out his message about the, this, this thing I'm talking about, seeking the Lord, by telling us how to seek God. And interestingly enough, he says there's three spiritual principles of seeking God. Giving, praying, and fasting. Touch somebody say, I'm excited about the middle one. <laughs> Giving... Praying and fasted. You've read it. He says something like this in Matthew 6, 4. He said, when you give, do it in secret. And your Father, 
that sees you in secret will reward you in the open. How powerful is that? You slip on down to Matthew 6, 8. He says, when you pray, pray in secret. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you in the open. And he says, when you fast. Isn't it interesting he didn't say if you give. Or if you pray. Or if you fast. When you fast. Don't do it in outward appearance like, oh, I'm fasting. Anoint yourself. Be happy about it. Do it to your Father who sees you in secret, and he who sees you in secret will reward you in the open. And I said, Lord, what is that about? He said, that's the secret place of the most. That's Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place. These three principles lead you to the secret place where only you and God know what's going on in your life and what he sees in secret, he will reward you in the open. Giving. Giving is the most spiritual key throughout the scriptures. God's a giver. And you will never tap in to God's blessings without giving. I got to thinking about that. Isn't it interesting, we, got, we had some good worship going on today, right? Not many of us were worshiping like this. We worship like this. Why? Because this is an act of receiving. You can't receive like this. Here's what I thought the Holy Spirit said to me. If you'll let go what's in your hand, God will let go what's in his hand. And so giving is an act, of, it, it, this act of generosity is a, all throughout the scripture. You, first, very, very first person, Abraham, the most blessed, first thing happens, he wins a great victory. He's met by Melchizedek, who's a picture of Christ and he blesses him with all this bounty and he tells him I'm going to give you 10% of everything from now on because I'm in this place of blessing this is the biggest understanding I believe it's the biggest roadblock for a lot of people that don't enter in God's blessings they don't learn how to give therefore they don't learn how to receive and God's got a lot for us to receive mama horn who went to be with the Lord uh I guess it was, is it two years now? Time goes by so fast, or maybe not quite that long. She told me out of her own mouth that she saw a woman that was in a crusade, A.A. Allen crusade in Birmingham, with a baby that was blind, deaf, mute, crippled, needed 26 miracles. She witnessed this with her own eyes. That when they took an offering, she watched the woman with her own eyes give her last $20 as a faith gift to God. And saw with her own eyes a baby, three-year-old child, but a small child, in front of her eyes, healed of 26 different things. It's all documented online. Eyes open, ears open, mouth open, legs walked to his mama on the platform after being carried in, needing 26 miracles. And she told me, as a 90-year-old woman, Kent, I saw what faith can do when you release it in the act of giving. 
I heard testimonies just a, a, a week ago from a couple in our church that said, we're gonna move in first fruits. We'll do that in the service today. We're gonna, we made a decision to move in first fruits. As soon as we let go of what was our hand, God let go of what was his hand, and my wife got a job paying double what she was getting paid before based off of first fruits offering her act to God. Now, I'm, I, I'm gonna get to the, to the punch here in a minute. But I want you to understand, it's, God's not after our money. It's the faith aspect of things that move you with God. And I'll make that point here in just a minute, but let's, let's, let's move quickly. Not only did he say give, but he said pray. Now, interesting, when we talked about praying, he said don't use a lot of words. Don't, be, don't use vain reputations like you got to beg God to do something. Don't use lots of words. And he gave us the Lord's Prayer kind of as an outline to pray. But here's what the Lord really been impressed me. Smith Wigglesworth, a great man of faith from England, by the way, said something along these lines. He said, I've never, I've never prayed for more than 30 minutes. And this is a guy who raised people from the dead and saw all kinds of miracles. He said, I've never prayed for longer than 30 minutes, but I've never gone more than 30 minutes without praying. Now, here's what I'm learning about prayer. There was a point in my life I felt like I had to lock myself in a room and you know, go after God, and that's not a bad thing if that's what God calls you to do. But I found my most effective praying is not when I'm locked away in a room. My most effective praying is when I'm out and about and I pray without ceasing because God is, you know what I've learned? My anxiety is a trigger for prayer. I quit fighting my anxieties because I realize now my anxiety is a trigger for prayer. Because it says, be anxious for nothing, Philippians 4, but by everything through prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God. So let your anxiety be a trigger. So as soon as you start getting anxious, don't wait till the next day of prayer about it. On the spot, say, hold on a minute. Father, I thank you. You shall supply all my needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. I ask you now, Lord, thank you for that provision in Jesus' name. All of a sudden, a fear comes about your health. Oh, wait a minute. By his stripes, I am, Lord, I thank you in Psalm 103. You said you would renew my youth like the eagles, and I thank you right now my health is being restored. Father, I thank you for it. Right there in your car, right there in your office, right there. Y'all know I curse a little bit, right? I mean, that's part of my... Like, like I said, the S-H-I-T word, that's been pretty, pretty familiar with me, you know, and I don't think it's really cursing. But anyway, you know, so sometimes I'll just say, you know, I mean, but I've learned, I've started praying instead of saying that. It's getting exciting. I got me a new word now instead of saying, oh, shit, I'm just saying, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> it's awesome. I started, the other day I was like, oh, Lord, have mercy. I bet I've said it a thousand times. Just, just all of a sudden, replacing that word instead of that feeling because it's a release. Like, it's, I know y'all say it. Don't be looking at me with those religious eyes. But you would be surprised. All of a, and I've caught myself doing it. Now, uh, something's changed in me. And instead of that coming out, it's Lord have mercy. What a great prayer. Lord, have mercy. Just Lord, have whatever it is. Lord, if it's something good, Lord, have mercy. If it's something bad, Lord, have mercy. Won't you touch two people and just say, Lord, have mercy. Tell them, Lord, have mercy. So how about over the next 40 days 
Open your heart to generosity. Just over the next 40 days, just look for opportunities to be generous. See what God will do. It says he'll see you in secret. And he'll reward you in the open. And over the next 40 days, how about this? Don't pray for more than 30 minutes. But don't go more than 30 minutes without praying. And let your anxiety be a trigger for your prayers. Maybe replace an old language with a new language. And just say these prayers throughout the day to the Lord. And see what God, it says that he you have not because you ask not. And maybe what if the next 40 days, just any time a, a want or a desire or an anxiety comes up inside of you, push that down and ask God for something good in your life. And last but not least, how about fasting? Mm, my God. Lord, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. <laughs> oh, shit. No, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. I think one reason that we don't like fasting is we don't understand it. Now, I understand the biblical concept of fasting, going without food, and hopefully most of us are training our bodies to at least go 24-hour periods without food. It's just a good idea. It's a good idea health-wise. It's a good idea spiritually. Now, here's the thing about, you know, like you say, what does that mean? Well, you can eat dinner and then don't eat till dinner the next day and you fasted for 24 hours. And you say, well, what does that do? Well, the Bible says it deals with unbelief. We talked last week, belief's not the problem, it's unbelief. Now, it doesn't change God, it changes you. What does it do? It gives you confidence. I've been thinking about confidence. Hebrews 10 says something like this, don't cast away your confidence, which has recompense of reward. Some of us lose our confidence because things are holding on to us that shouldn't be holding on to us. Paul said, all things are lawful, but all things aren't expedient. In other words, all things are lawful for you to enjoy, just don't let anything get control over you. And fasting breaks the control of things that are trying to hold on to you. Fasting is a powerful principle, so I'm not just talking about food, which is a big issue for us. I mean, here in the Bible Belt... Come on, we need a belt. You know what I'm talking about? It's that belt with this hanging up. You know what I'm talking about? We won't preach about smoking and drinking and all that, but getting rid of some chicken and stuff, you know, right? Or getting rid of some pastries, getting rid of some moon pies. You know what I'm talking about? And so it's a good idea over the next 40 days to look at something in your life, food, alcohol, tobacco, Facebook, uh, you know, whatever's, whatever you feel like you don't have control over, not coffee, because we're not quitting coffee, but uh, <laughs> I told the Lord that's the last thing to go. Now, you just got to hang on to that and take everything else, Lord, but don't take my coffee away from me, Lord. No. You got to hang on to that for a while. 
That's one bondage I thoroughly enjoy, that caffeine in the morning. But some would call this Lent, but you're just doing it at the wrong time. Lent was never supposed to be done up to Passover. Lent was supposed to be due or teshiva or repentance this time of year. That's why you don't have a grace for it then, but you got a grace for it now because the king is in your field. Come on, somebody. And so for some of us, we need to lay down for just for 40 days, maybe carbs or sugars or alcohol or tobacco or negativity or gossip or, or, or whatever you just feel like has you, and I promise you in 40 days, there'll be a transformation. Now, here's what I've got to thinking about. Not for, here's the biblical fast is Isaiah 58. This is the fast I have chosen to deal your bread to the hungry, to, to, to put clothes on the Ill, ill-clad, to provide for those that don't have. You do this, Isaiah says, and your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. I will be your rear guard. You will pray. I will answer. You will be like a well-watered garden that brings forth its fruit in its season. Here's what the Lord spoke to me this morning. He said, Kent, why don't you encourage the people, whatever they give up, provide that for the poor. So what if you smoked only one pack of cigarettes a day instead of two? That's $5 a day. Right? About $5. I ain't bought any this week. but uh, No, that's five, $5 a day. I know you're some smokers in here. It's about $5 a day, right? $6 a day. How about a Starbucks a once a day to Starbucks is three or four bucks, right? What if you just for 40, I'm not saying forever, just for 40 days say, I'm gonna take, the, did you know for every dollar you give to wine to water, a person drinks clean water for a year? So by your fasting, a $4 Starbucks once a, a, a day, $4, four people every, so over a month period or four, 160 People over 40 days will drink clean water next year by you laying off Starbucks for 40 days. Are you tracking with me? Whatever it is, sodas, whatever. Just let the, be creative about it. But some type of fast, whatever you're doing, give that to Project 58. We'll take that, make it available to what's happening around the world. There is no telling what God will do in 40 days if we start giving, praying, and fasting and really seeking God in a tangible, practical practical way of what God can do in our lives. Now, this really got me. I looked at Acts 10 and saw this giving, praying, and fasting, what it accomplished. Look at this. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house. He gave alms to the people. So he's a giver, right? And prayed to God always. So this tells us Cornelius was a prayer and he was a giver. And he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius. Now, you know the story. This is where Peter the apostle is on another 
a place in Jaffa. He's on top of the roof. God shows him a vision that says, don't call unclean what I've called clean. The gospel is for the Gentiles as well. Here's a Gentile man, supposedly outside the covenants and promises of God, who's locked into some spiritual principles that he didn't even have the Torah to tell him. This tells me this is a cosmic principle. The whole universe works this way, not just Christianity. Let me get over here with these people for a minute. I'm not talking about just some Christianese. I'm talking about something. The whole universe works this way. And when you tap into the way God does things, it opens heaven on your life. Let's get that back up. Nice shoes there. And Cornelius said to Peter, when Peter showed up, four days ago, what I was? Until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer has been heard. Your giving has come up in the sight of God as a remembrance. Are you seeing what I'm just, are you picking up what I'm chunking down or however that saying goes? That here's a man outside the covenants and promises of God, a Gentile who didn't even know God was for him or God loved him, tapped into some spiritual principles. It says he was giving, he was praying, he was fasting, and an angel turned up in his house and began to talk to him and read the rest of the story. The whole revival blew up in his house and the whole nation was touched because of one man's devotion to the Lord. There is no telling what God can do in your life and my life these next 40 days if we'll give ourselves to this. Now, I hear voices. And I've heard them before, and I think I've got the answer for you. People say, well, wait a minute, Kent. What about grace? Doesn't God love everybody? Yes. And and so why is it that we have to do anything and it's a real question. I like the question. So why, does, why are we having to attempt to draw near to God and do these things? If, why doesn't God just bless everybody? Answer, he has, you just don't know how to manifest it. Listen, Ephesians 1.3. God has already blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So you are already blessed. It's just not in your realm. What I'm teaching you today is a spiritual lesson or principle of how to get your blessing from a heavenly place to manifest in a, in a natural place. You are already blessed. The price has already been paid. Jesus has already provided. That's why we blow the shofar. We blow the shofar because it represents a ram's horn, which represents provision, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. So the next 40 days, every 40 days, we're gonna be either blowing a horn or hitting the horn on our car when we leave the house or just shouting, you know, I'm I'm expecting my dog after he chewed on this to start barking. I mean, it's like, Whatever sound needs to be made, we are making a. De- <laughs> we, Lord have mercy. We are making a. De- 
We are making a declaration. Come on, somebody. It says Daniel prayed, and it says immediately his prayer was heard, but there was a war in the second heavens by a couple of angels that said, you got heard 21 days ago, but we had to fight the prince of Persia to get your answer down to you. I'm talking about reaching up in a heavenly realm and bringing it down into an earthly realm. I'm talking about manifesting the blessings of heaven in your life and in your family. Touch four people say, I'm about to manifest. Without faith. Next slide. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is God. This is, most of us stop there. Oh, I believe in God. You believe in God, I believe in God. But you miss it. If you come to God, you must believe that he is God. That's right. But you also should believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because when you diligently seek God, you manifest God's blessings in the heavenly realm into the earthly realm. And you walk in them and proclaim the goodness of God. Now, the Hebraic understanding or the biblical understanding of this month is all found in Psalm 27. So this is the uh, psalm that we're to meditate on, read, pray, decree, declare over our lives this whole 40 days. If you never read anything but Psalm 27, the next 40 days, God's going to do something in your life and decree it and declare it. Can I, can I rip it off to you in a couple of good translations real quick? You probably won't get that on the screen, will you? That's a little small. Here's what it says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came up against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple." For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion in the, what? In the, talk to me, in the, what were we just talking about? Whatever you do in, God sees it and rewards you. Come on now. He shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now my head will be lifted above my enemies all around me. And I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face will I seek, O God. 
Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Come on, somebody. Who's got a message translation on your phone or a Bible? Who's got one of those? I thought I brought one with me, a message translation. I know it's not the real Bible, but. <laughs> Let me have it. This is the message translation. Light, space, zest. That's God. <laughs> Light, space, zest. That's God. So with him on my side, I'm fearless. Afraid of no one or nothing. When vandal hordes ride down ready to eat me alive, those bullies and toughs shall fall flat on their faces. When besieged, I'm as calm as a baby. When all hell breaks loose, I'm collected and cool. I'm asking God for one thing and one thing only, to live with him in his house my whole life long. I will contemplate his beauty. I will study at his feet. That's the only quiet, secure place in this noisy world. The perfect gateway from the buzz of traffic. God holds me head and shoulders above all who try to pull me down. I'm headed for his place to offer anthems that will raise the roof. Already I'm singing God songs. I'm making music to God. Listen, God, I'm calling at the top of my lungs. Be good to me and answer me. When my heart whispered, seek God, my whole being replied, I'm seeking him. Don't hide from me now. You've always been right there for me. Don't turn your back on me now. Don't throw me out. Don't abandon me. You've always kept the door open. My father and mother walked out and left me, but God took me in. Point me down your highway, God. Direct me along a, a well-lighted street. Show my enemies whose side you're on. Don't throw me to the dogs like Kent Shofar. Those liars who are out to get me, filling the air with their threats. I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness in the exuberant earth. Stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. Touch four people and say, stay with God. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. This is that 40 days where we literally make a decision to stay with God. 
No matter what we've been through, no matter what the devil has thrown our way, no matter what war we might have had to fight, no matter what obstacle we've gone through, no matter what mountain we've stood before, this is the time, don't quit. I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Thank you.